Welcome to the She Built This podcast, where we are sharing the stories of professionals and entrepreneurs who are on a mission to create the new norm by following their dreams and making them a reality. I'm your host, Emily Aborn, and together we are inspiring, growing, and giving you the tools you need to bring ideas to life so you can build whatever this means for you. Hi, welcome back to the She Built This podcast. This month, we're going to be talking all about money. And last week, you heard from my guest, Farnoosh Charabi. This week, we're going to be talking to Angela Henderson, who, as you will hear, has made a penny or two in her businesses. And she has some really interesting insights on what is really holding us back from making more sales and making more money in our businesses. Angela has quite a story about how she started as an entrepreneur, as well as how she made a decision to move away from her first business into what she's doing now. What I love in this episode is she really reminds us to stop overcomplicating our business models and shares how to do so by giving practical ways to nurture your audience, layer our marketing slowly but surely, and also move through the mindset blocks that hold us back. One of the things Angela shares is part of her success is moving through some of these internal blocks through hypnotherapy. And so I wanted to share something that a friend of mine, Karen Kenny, who you've probably heard her before on the show, I wanted to share something that she's doing that I've actually found really, really beneficial in my own life as well around hypnosis. It's helped me to feel more confident, feel more relaxed in my skin, make decisions, gain clarity, and also direction. And so she has a whole entire, Karen Kenny has a whole entire shop with um, hypnosis audios that you can grab for I think about $25 and you will get them to listen to anytime. So I'm going to highly recommend that you check those out. The link for that will be in the show notes. Um, If this is your first time here, my name is Emily Aborn. I'm a content copywriter. I'm the host of this show as well as the Content with Character podcast. And if you want to learn more about me or anything that I'm up to, you can visit emilyaborn.com. Without further ado, let's get into introducing my guest, and then we'll just dive right into the episode. So Angela Henderson is my guest today. She's an international award-winning business coach for women, international keynote speaker, and podcaster who's helped thousands of women around the world make more money by creating a personalized business strategy and masterminding their mindset so they can wake up every day and live the life they want. Sounds awesome, doesn't it? Okay, without further ado, let's get into today's episode and interview with Angela, where she shares a lot of the uh, secret sauce, let's say, behind some of her money-making success. Hi, Angela, and welcome to the She Built This podcast. Hey, hey, my friend, super excited to be here today and just being, yeah, I just love being around good humans and you're a good human. So today, how can it not be a good day? I agree. And I'm excited we get to reconnect because I had such fun being on your podcast. But you know what I didn't get to ask you or talk to you about on your podcast was uh, your entrepreneurial journey and how you got started, which I'm actually like super curious about because I look at you online. I'm like, she is fascinating. Like you're up to some big, exciting stuff. So I want to hear like the messy beginning, like 
what, how you got started, what kind of propelled you into entrepreneurship? Were you an accidental entrepreneur, that kind of thing? And then like, maybe tell us about like your deepest, darkest moment. Yeah. All right. Um, I guess the first thing you need to know is that obviously I'm a proud Canadian. I love Nutella. Pink with a splash of glitter is my favorite color. Uh, and Canada will always be home. But when I was 14, my mom thought it would be fun to move a teenager down to Albuquerque, New Mexico to do my high school when we were only supposed to be there for a year. And I ended up doing all of my high school and all of my undergrad in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I then did my master's in Australia, and then I went back to North Carolina where I did my clinical practice, a licensed mental health clinician. So I actually, for 15 years, used to diagnose people with schizophrenia, bipolar, anxiety, depression, autism, etc. And then when I had my son, he was about nine months old, and he was playing on the floor with all these beautiful toys that we had been given, but everything was battery operated. And yes, my kids watch TV, and yes, they have iPads, so it's no judgment, but I was like, how else can we minimize just things that are electronic? and do things that will work on fine motor skill development, gross motor skills, spark imagination. That was like my clinical hat kind of coming into it. And so that's when I opened up my first business, which was an e-com business called Finley and Me, focusing on creating childhood memories through play, love and travel. And just like everyone else, we started off with zero followers, zero email list. But when we closed Finley and Me, we had 1400 different products. We had an email list of over 50,000. We had a social media combined following of about 100,000. And so again, it grew quite quickly. Uh, it was really for products between like baby to like seven. And that was the thing. Once my kids got past seven, I started getting bored with it because I was no longer wanting to go to baby expos. Uh, and then all of a sudden people started picking my brain and I didn't actually know what that meant. So business consulting was never on the cards. Um, Oh, I guess I'll, I'll rewind one little bit. With Finley and me, I learned the importance of diversifying your revenue streams. And so because of my audience and because of my email list, I also became one of Australia's leading parenting influencers. I was signed with Netflix, Hilton's, Club Meds, equivalent to like say Whole Foods over in America, for example. And I wrote content and they a content with like say Netflix in mind to then be able to share it with my audience. And I would get paid, you know, four to $5,000 to write a blog article posted and email it out so it was a really great way to understand that you could have multiple revenue streams coming in and not be heavenly reliant on one or the other so then after 14 coffee dates and not knowing what they were and I don't drink coffee and driving an hour some days and an hour back and then spending an hour with people I realized oh if I charge people for my expertise I could have a secondary business and that's how Angela Henderson Consulting came about is I had an aha moment 14 coffee dates. I started charging people. I didn't have a website at the beginning because I was like, I don't know if I'm going to like this or not like this. Um, and yes, now I help women around the world to create a personalized business strategy and master their mindset so they can ultimately make more money and wake up every day loving life. Oh my God, what a fun ride that was and so unexpected. So what happened with the, co the previous company? You completely closed it. <laughs> Listen, people wanted to buy it off of us. I mean, our email list alone, if you looked at the average email, and this is what people forget about how important it is to grow your email list, is in some, in our particular industry at that stage, we could have got $4 per email list. So we could have sold just the email list at 200K. But in Australia, you can't just sell email lists. You have to sell the company as a whole. And that wasn't including our social media, didn't mean assets. But what happened with Finley and me is I, my kids and I became so much of the brand. Like we would walk into grocery stores and people would recognize us type scenario right and I ethically for me personally and my core values didn't feel a that if another business owner bought it 
they'd be able to have the same success, not because they didn't have the skills, but because it was built on my brand and my personality and that can't be replaced. And the second thing was, is there was so much content around my kids and I doing crafts and activities and things like that, that I would have wanted that taken down before the next owner would buy. And it would, they would have been left with skeleton. And we had a very good SEO uh, strategy too. So with our SEO strategy, if you start deleting a whole bunch of stuff that's driving traffic, that's gonna impact potential sale too. So for me, we did not sell the business um, because it just didn't feel right. And even though I could have made money off of it, it, it like hundreds of thousands, it still didn't feel right for me to be able to do that. So yeah, we closed it down uh, and just, yeah, that was it. Good for you for making the choice that felt not just was like following the dollar signs, but also felt really right for you. Um, I, I don't think that's something that we often take into consideration enough. So I love that. Um, okay. This is the month of money on the She Built This podcast. Money, money, money. <laughs> and one thing I hear a lot from my fellow women entrepreneurs is that they're not making enough sales or money in their business. What is the problem? What is happening here? What can we actually be doing to make more money as business owners and get more sales? I mean, I'll first start off by saying the one thing that you can do right now to make more, more money and get more, do you know what I mean, sales and just more money every single day is stop fucking overcomplicating your business model. Literally, people are on TikTok, freaking Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, trying to start a podcast, trying to start a YouTube channel, trying to do partnerships, trying to one, they, they launch one thing, but it didn't go to their success. So then they burn that down and start the next thing. And then they launch again. And then they've got Chani Object Syndrome. And literally the list goes on. I see it all the time. Stop overcomplicating your business. And, and if you can stop overcomplicating your business, there's only three things that you actually need to focus on. Build your audience, nurture your audience, sell to your audience. It's literally stop making it harder than that. When I talk about building your audience, there's only three ways that you can build your audience, organic, partnership, and paid. So you need to decide which one of these works best for you. So organic is obviously posting organically on social media, for example. It could be that you're uh, posting to your newsletter, for example. It could be that you've created your own podcast, anything that's organic. Partnerships can be a variety of things. It could be like a collaboration where you guys do an email swap together. It could be affiliate marketing, for example. Um, there's a variety of different ways that you can do that. Or then there's paid. And paid could be Facebook ads. It could be magazine ads, stuff if it still works for your particular industry. It could be podcast sponsorship. It could be that you're paying for SEO. It could be that you're buying media. But you need to decide on how you're going to build your audience. But when you go to step two, which is nurture your audience, this is where I see a lot of people fall down. Okay, wait, I have a question. Do you need to kind of like pick one of those three on the build to, to focus on? Or do you say like, okay, no, make a nice make a nice pie with all three of them. In an ideal world, there's this notion called omnipresence. And omnipresence is where people will start saying like, and you're everywhere. I saw you on a podcast. I saw you on this. It's about layering for what's in alignment for you and your business right now. So when I first started the consulting business, I was playing on Facebook. That was it. 
And then the year after that, I, so I was on Facebook because then I had a Facebook page when pages still work. And then I was starting a Facebook community, right? And that worked for me. Then I brought on Instagram because you have to remember each platform has different rules that you need to follow in order to be able to help get your stuff in front of the algorithm. And it is changing daily. So when you're on a hundred different platforms, there's no way that you can stay up to date with what you need, need to or should be doing and to meet their demands and you have to meet their demands because that's what the board of directors and that's how they want to get paid. So you don't really have a choice when it comes to that. But then, so I started off with Facebook, Instagram, then I layered on the year after my podcast. And then it was about layering, right? You're not going to do everything at once. You can't do everything at once. But the most important thing that you need to consider is what is in alignment for you? And I'll talk more about this later on when I share with you like this framework that I have, because if you're not in alignment, you're going to resent showing up on, on a platform. If you resent showing up on a platform, you're going to repel the people that you actually want to repel to from an energetic perspective. So again, being in alignment when you choose how you're building your audience is going to be key to success. Oh, I love that. And I talk about that all the time on my content podcast, like choosing things that light us up because it, the energy does come through on the other mm -hmm. side. So I love that. Okay. Let's move on to nurture. And like, what does that even mean to, we hear it all the time, but break it down for me, make it simple. Like, what does it mean to nurture my audience? Yeah, I will tell us about nurturing, but what I see happen though, is people will skip the nurture stage and go to the sell stage. In business, what I'm seeing people do is they build this audience, say on Instagram, they go into people's DMs and start, do you know what I mean? Spraying them everything they have and they've built no relationship with that person. All right. So that's what I talk about is don't go straight to selling. So we rewind back to nurturing your audience more than ever before. It is imperative for you to nurture your audience. Why? Because in a world where AI and things are so automated and there's a time and place for automation and there's a time and place for AI, people want to feel like they are connected. People want to feel seen and people want to feel heard. So when you nurture your audience, if you've got an email list, for example, you might then do like uh, a nurture sequence where there's like six to seven emails, depending on what type of nurture sequence you're doing, where you introduce yourself, you introduce, do you mean say testimonials, you introduce what you do, but you're nurturing them along the way before you ask them for sex. All right. It could be over on Instagram, for example, that people comment on your threads that you go back and answer the comments or you go back and answer the DMs. You always want to be looking for conversations because wherever there there's conversations, there is connection. And when you mix conversation plus connection, you equal conversion. So that's how, again, you need to be nurturing your audience. So build your audience, nurture your audience, and then sell to your audience. Yeah. And I think thinking of them as human beings and as relationships and treating other people, how you would, how you would want to be treated, um, is, is really it. And, you know, to your point of using the word audience, sometimes I even, um, shy away from using that word. And I like to use the word community, because if you think of it like that, it really does bring them in, in that, like, okay, we're all here doing this together. And then it's not like you're selling anything like people just want what you're offering. So I really love that. 
Okay. So talk to me about selling though. Like I've heard so many people be like, it's awkward to sell myself or like, how do I do it in a way that doesn't seem sleazy? Like what is your advice for like, quote unquote, when it does come time for that selling time, uh, how do we kind of make those asks in a way that feel good and not so shysty? I want to rewind a little bit and I will get to the selling, but I think it would be negligent for me not to share what I'm about to share. There is one thing though, so we talked about what can you do right now to stop, do you know what I mean? Like to start making more money, which is stop overcomplicating your business. But before yeah. I even get to sales, there's one thing that businesses, do you know what I mean? Like, why is it that businesses struggle with selling? Why is it that businesses struggle to make money? And I want to say that I can give you the strategy and I can talk to you about selling, but if I don't talk about this, that strategy will fade and you will self-sabotage. And the reason why businesses struggle to sell and to make more money is because of their mindset. Your outside world is a direct reflection of your inside world. So if you're not working on the inner stuff, again, it's like when people say 2024, I'm going to go and buy my diary or planner, whatever you guys call it. Do you know what I mean? And this is going to be the best year yet. I'm going to rock it. I'm like, if you fucking think a planner from Walmart is going to save you, good luck, my friend. But that's what we tell ourselves. It's I'm unorganized. No, it's the inner. And the reason why I see people struggle to sell is that there's seven major mindset blocks that I see people have. The first one is self-trust, the belief in yourself, your growth, and your integrity. The second mindset block I see is self-love, the sense of one owns value or worth as a person. The third mindset block I see is worthiness, the quality of being good enough. The fourth are money stories and blocks, negative subconscious beliefs about money that limit you from achieving your success. The fifth one is obsessive thinking, a series of thoughts that typically reoccur, often paired with negative judgments. The sixth is divine timing. Now, if you think about the definition of the divine timing and that everything is happening for you and at the right time, where the mindset block is, is people will try and manipulate and control everything, right? And that's where this mindset block comes in. And the seventh major mindset block that I see is imposter syndrome. And this refers to believing that you're not competent as others perceive you to be. So if you're struggling with these mindset blocks, you're going to struggle with your business collectively. You're going to struggle with life collectively. You're going to struggle with selling collectively. And it won't matter what strategy you give them, Emily, or what strategy I give them. It might work for five months, but guess what? They're going to go back to default. And why is that? Because 97% of the decisions that we make are subconsciously ingrained in us from childhood. And so the 3% brain, the rational brain is already, do you know what I mean, failing us. So you can never outsmart your subconscious. And the reason why our subconscious is so important to know in business is that there's three primary reasons that people, do you know what I mean, are doing what they're doing. One is safety, two, belonging, and three, enoughness. And again, these things typically stem back from a T2 trauma in our childhood. T1 trauma is like big things like divorce, potentially sexual abuse, accidents, etc. The T2 trauma is little things like you may have gone up to your mom and pulled on her skirt, do you know what I mean, when you were three? And you said, Mommy, mommy, look at do you mean look at my artwork? And your mom just was just like, Oh, I've just got the hot stove on. Just give mommy one second and we'll sit and have a look. But in your three-year-old brain, which is only running at a certain cognitive ability to process things. 
puts it into say like your filing cabinet in your brain and then for the next 10 15 20 30 40 50 years you go oh if mommy doesn't have time for me no one else have has time for me therefore i'm not enough where what you don't remember was actually mommy then took you sat you on your lap talked to you about the colors and the shapes and all this but all your little three-year-old or four-year-old brain remembers is mommy said not now so therefore you associated with that's not enough and enoughness then continues to perpetuate in adulthood does that make sense oh my god we're you know, it totally makes sense and i feel like we're all screwed so what do you do <laughs> if your mindset is in the toilet because i feel like these things something on this list came up for every single person mm -hmm. listening right 100 mm -hmm. the first thing that i say is i think it's important that we are all enough the way we are because if you think about religion or spirituality which i believe in do you know what I mean and all that is like there's always like they always say it's like you're never done healing and it's true because every day we evolve as human beings right and so for me my thing is is like just know you are enough but the thing is is encouraging that healed people heal people hurt people hurt people and if you have a lot of drama in your life a lot of chaos in your life wherever there's drama there is unresolved trauma all right and so what i say is it's really important i, I kind of look at there's four ways that you could work through things if you have an, an upside down triangle that very top layer is you can go to one-to-one -one therapy with a social worker or a psychologist etc but in my experience as a trained mental health clinician who used to do one-on-one -on -one therapy dbt cbt etc you're probably going to need a hundred fucking sessions to start to make a dent why because how do you feel this week emily what do you want to talk about and you will feel better after the session don't get me wrong because you're still unpacking things from the week you're still feeling heard and you're talking but in my opinion it's like it's very surface level that's why it's at that top of that triangle then the next one under that is like your nlp neurologistics reprogramming right do you know what I mean that works because it's getting to more of the root of the brain where this is happening and maybe you need i don't know 10 sessions but the sessions that i find that have helped the most and that the least people are doing is hypnotherapy sessions and the one under that is working with like healers and so but and the reason why people i don't believe are doing that is because they're scared of the unknown i'm actually after our recording today i've got a podcast interview on my podcast with uh, a top hypnotherapist to talk about the benefits of hypnotherapy what are the misconceptions about hypnotherapy etc because it's you don't know what you don't know so when i started hypnotherapy for example I had signed up to work with my business coach. He was $45,000 to work with him for six months. And we were finishing a session once and he said, don't forget to use your free hypnotherapy sessions. And I was like, they're not free. I've paid $45,000, so I'll use them, don't worry. But if I wouldn't have had those incorporated into my package, I probably would never have, it wasn't something that was on my radar. I knew about it, but it wasn't on my top list to go and do to better myself. And now I've done almost 20 sessions in the last two years and it's a game changer, like absolutely game changer. Were those sessions specifically tailored to you and what you needed or were they pre-recorded hypnotherapy They were all sessions for me. So they were live. So I did it live. The lady that was doing one of the ladies that I used was from Costa Rica. So you just put your iPhone on your chest and she does it remotely. So all of my sessions were done remotely. Um, I'll give you an example. So one of the sessions she came to me 
And she said, um, oh, okay, yeah. So one of the things was like, I've got a money block. And she was like, okay, well, let me count you down and let's see where it takes. She counts me down and she says, you know, when I get, when you get to zero, where are you? And I was like standing in front of like a brick wall. And she said, is there anything on the bricks? And I said, there is. And there is the word receiving was there. I can't remember the second word. And then all of a sudden, these speech bubbles, like in those cartoons came out. And it just said, lonely, lonely, lonely. And she said, that's why you're not making more money. And I said, what do you mean? She said, you believe subconsciously that the more money you make, the more lonelier you're going to be. Where have you seen that before in your life? And I just started crying because my mom was a nurse practitioner. She was about to become a, didn't mean the next high she could be, was a doctor. Um, uh, she got addicted to like opiates. She filed bankruptcy twice. She's gambled everything away. I have nothing to do with her. My brother, when he was alive, had nothing to do with her. She lost everything. So my view was the more successful you become, the more that you're going to lose it all. And it's all, and you're going to become lonely. So I had blocked myself from becoming more visible. I had blocked myself from taking on more clients. I'd done these things subconsciously. And there's no way talking therapy would have gotten me to that root of that problem. So theoretically, in like one kind of hypnotherapy session, you'll get to the root of one particular thing that's going on for you. Okay. So now we're talking about like, what is holding you back in your business is not just that you're not building, nurturing and selling. It's that you have stuff going on that's running the show, 97% of the show, right? And those are the things holding you back. So talk to me about like where, where listeners can go to take that first step to kind of say like, well, what is that narrative? Because maybe they're not even aware of what it is yet. And then um, what step can I take in the right direction. Yeah, so I guess for the, in regards to specifically, what can you do for the inner work, for example, where can you work with a hypnotherapist, do you know what I mean, to be able to start doing this? Here's the thing, a hypnotherapy session can range anywhere from about 150 to $400. Like my whole thing is, is this, some people be like, I don't have the money, it's too expensive. No, it's costing you more money by you not doing this. I can guarantee you. Because again, it doesn't matter what you're about to launch. It doesn't matter about what you're going to do. You're going to still subconsciously be blocking yourself from having the best successful launch. So my thing is, is if it's $150 for a session, if you were to put $20 a week aside in seven weeks, you'd have enough money to go, do you know what I mean? And do a hypnotherapy session. It's kind of like when I hear people travel, I'm going to go do a 10 week around the world, da, 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 but I'm not going to have travel insurance what the hell like when I went back to America because obviously I'm Canadian citizen when I went back from my master's to do my clinical practice, I had travel insurance we we had a triple rollover car accident I broke my neck for example well it's done an example I broke my neck I had to be like medevac all these things if I wouldn't have travel have had travel insurance to pay for those medical bills I still would be paying the U.S. government to do you know I me mean, money because you guys charge so much money for medical right so it's like that if you can afford to travel you can afford travel insurance if you can afford to have a business you can find the money do you know what I mean and make it a priority to be successful and get to the root of what's causing you and stopping you from succeeding 
Um, so now can, do you want, do you feel like we have put a period on that and you want to move back into that selling and like how to just do it? Like, so after you remove the blocks, um, assuming that you do, like, how do you do that in a human way that feels natural, feels in alignment? And it's like, yes, all systems go. Perfect. So there's three, so I call it my three S framework. And my first S is around showing up. Uh, because again, you can't sell if you're not showing up in the right way. So my first question that I want to ask you around showing up is how are you currently showing up in your business? What platforms are you showing up on your business? Are they the right ones? And what I mean by that is if you're on Instagram, for example, and, but your target market is corporates, are corporates sitting on Instagram or corporates potentially more likely over on LinkedIn? I'm not saying that there's not some that won't bleed into genuine Instagram, but more than likely, a lot of corporates hit that genuine LinkedIn avenue. So what platforms are you showing up on? Are they the right ones? And are you in alignment with being on that platform? Like I personally hate LinkedIn. I'd rather gouge my eyes out than being on LinkedIn. So I'm not, even though I probably can make more money if I was on LinkedIn, I like get the shakes when I go in there and see all these bells and whistles going like, you've got 9,000 messages you haven't responded to because people are selling you stuff. So you've got to be in alignment for the platforms that you're showing up on. But more importantly, you've got to make sure that your clients are there so that you can sell to them. Are you showing up by building your email list? Are you sending out a consistent newsletter? Because again, if you've got a newsletter, you can then be able to sell to more people. Are you creating a YouTube or you, uh, podcast? Again, choosing these things where you need to show up where you're gonna get the biggest return on investment. The more you show up in places that you're in aligned with, the more visibility you have, the more trust you have, the more credibility you have, and the more sales you have. And also remember, when you look at, thinking about showing up what is your roi saying let me give you an example one of my mastermind clients is like i'm sick of being on pinterest i'm not making any sales from pinterest i'm going to stop showing up there and i said how do you know that they're not that you're not making any sales i just know i said have you looked at your google analytics and she's like not nah. i said have you done your onboarding survey like i suggested you do not nah. have you done this no nah. and i was like all right i said before you make the big decision to stop pinterest let's pull up your google analytics and let's have a look Pinterest was her number one driving source of traffic than any other platform. I then asked her to go back to the last 10 people that she had, um, what's the word, like onboarded. And I, and I don't have the number exactly in front of me, it was, I think it was like 60%. So six out of those 10 people came from Pinterest. Hmm. And she was just about, do you know what I mean, to shut it down because she thought, because it was when Reels was starting to come out, that her Instagram, her Instagram was her least performing source. So again, I need people out there that if you're going to be wanting to sell your stuff to people, showing up on the right platforms, reviewing your data and making sure that you're in alignment with that. The second S is around strategy. Most people will be showing up, as I said earlier, on these platforms with no strategy. They're just do you know what I mean? They're posting cat memes, for example, or they're posting cat memes, but then they might not have a call to action like buy my stuff. These are all little things that you have to do to start getting people to make more money. My, oh, my next thing, though, that I want to say overall is do you have an overall business strategy? Do you know who's leading the ship? Do you know what goals you need to be achieving? Do you know what your ROI is? Do you know the next steps? If you're just throwing spaghetti at a wall, then I'd encourage you to really sit down and take at least 60 to 90 minutes to start mapping out what needs to happen within your business. 
And the next strategy that I would talk about there with my second S is your promotional rhythm strategy. This is a term I don't hear many people use, but it's like once you've identified what platforms you're showing up on, then what type of content are you putting out on those platforms in order to nurture your audience and sell to your audience? If you're just doing every Monday on your promotional rhythm, I'm just doing a cat meme, that could work if you're trying to get engaged audience, bringing laughter and it's part of your brand personality. But if you do no other pieces of content throughout the week, then how can you sell to anyone? So maybe when you look at your promotional rhythm, you're looking maybe a cat meme for engagement on a Monday, but maybe on Tuesday, you're gonna do an educational post like a tip Tuesday, for example. Maybe on a Wednesday, you're gonna actually do a selling post. So you're gonna say like, hey, doors are open to my six month mastermind, head to my website now to do X, Y, and Z. And maybe Thursday, you do a testimonial for social proof post. But most people don't have a promotional rhythm mapped out. They're just like quickly throwing things up and not understanding why then they're not making any sales. Having an overall business strategy tied in with your promotional rhythm is going to help you make more sales. Because strategy not only helps you, but it also helps your people know how that you can help them. And my third S is selling. Because if you don't know where you're showing up and you don't have a strategy, again, the selling piece isn't going to work. So I wanted to start off with this. In a nine to five job, most of us have had a corporate or just a job. I mean, I worked in a bingo hall for my first job. I don't care where you worked. But you had a nine to five job and you typically saw a position like an advert saying the job was available. You then had um, an interview, like you potentially filled out an application. You did the interview, you understood your KPIs and you started. Somewhere in entrepreneurship, we forget about our KPIs. But in a nine to five job, if you were working and you had KPIs that you had to meet and you weren't, you're going to get called into your boss's office. You're then going to, do you know what I mean, get either written up or given a warning or fired. But in entrepreneur space, people are like, yeah, I just won't sell today. Yeah, no, you, it's your job. Just like it was in corporate, it is your job every single day to be asking for the sell. And if you have a problem with selling, I want you to reframe that with serving. Every day you get to serve your awesomeness to your community and you get to help transform lives. And by you not serving your audience every day with your awesomeness, you're doing a disservice and not helping people to make their lives better. And so some people say, but I don't wanna sell every day. Okay, you don't have to if it's not in alignment for you. But here's the thing, if you choose the organic strategy that I talked about earlier on, and you have 100 people in your community on Instagram, you're lucky if five people in that community see what you have to offer and you have to hope that of those five people, they want whatever it is you're selling or talking about on that given day. So again, to me, it's not an overkill. In my 12 years of being in business with both businesses, no one has ever emailed me or sent me a DM and said, shut the front door. You're selling too much. You're talking too much. I'm sick and tired. People might if I'm transparent, say, I don't take me off your email list. I don't know how I got on it. And I'm like, well, I didn't just put you on there, Freddie. Do you know what I mean? But it's like, sure, let me unsubscribe. But they've never emailed me to say, you're, you're too loud. You're talking. You're too much. That's that subconscious stuff that's blocking us. It's not what we think the people are going to say. Does that make sense? So, yeah, I think so often we think we're like over repeating ourselves, over saying mm. something. And the reality is with these social media algorithms, like, 
barely anybody is seeing it in the first place. Mm -hmm. And they're certainly not seeing every single thing that you post in every single place that you say it. So repeat, repeat, repeat. And remember too, depending on how people buy and what your audience is, if you're selling to moms, for example, I don't know about, do you know what I mean? Whoever's listening, but if I've got a brand new baby and I'm absolutely sleep deprived and it's four o'clock in the morning and I'm just scrolling on my phone because I've been up, do you know what I mean? All day and all night. I'm like, and I've got the checkout page and I'm ready to buy, but then my baby starts screaming again. I've now put my phone down to then deal with the baby and then fall back in the bed in a heap. And I've totally forgotten about checking out. So I have to be reminded again, either on a story or on my feed or in my newsletter or on my podcast to be like, hey, don't forget to get doors closed. Oh my gosh, yes, I, I meant to buy that from Angela, but I got sidetracked. Remember, people live busy lives. People are more distracted than ever before. You know, another thing that I'll just say is a quick thing is I look at, I've looked at thousands of websites in my time as a business consultant and someone, I don't know who did it, but they will put the Instagram feed on the bottom of people's websites and it looks really pretty. Please, if there's nothing else you do today, go and get that off of your website. Why? If you've worked so hard to bring people to your website, to your ecosystem, to learn about how you can help them. And then you've got this big banner with six or seven beautiful Instagram worthy images. They're gonna click away from your ecosystem, go back into Instagram or Meta's ecosystem. And if they're anything like me, they start seeing those red notifications. I'm then not even staying on your Instagram feed because I need to like get those red things off my screen. Do you know what I mean? It stresses me out. And then I forgot about you. Hmm, that's a good perspective. So like, it's like, it's these little things do mean when I work with the women around conversion, if you've just paid $5 for someone to click through off of a Facebook ad to your website, and then you've just taken them back meta, AKA Facebook and Instagram are pumped because you continue to feed their economy while you lose. Right. So, yeah, yeah. so the 3S framework is you need to understand where you're showing up. You need to make sure you have a strategy and you have to ask for this sale or AKA, how are you going to serve every single day? What I see people do when I look at their Instagram is they have these beautiful stories, beautiful images, and I actually read them. And I'll talk about this lady I was working with the other day. She has like, um, she has this really cool stuff with affirmation and she showed this beautiful like video, explained it beautifully, but then they didn't give me the call to action or the micro commitment for me to go do anything. So I was like, does she sell them? Is she just showing this just as a random video? Where do I get this? And then remember, if you make people burn mental calories, AKA, do I head to the link and profile? What's the name of her website? How do I type it in? The more mental calories you make me burn, the more you've already lost me. So you have to make it super easy for people to be able to download your freebie, buy your thing, hop on a discovery call. So when you're selling, please, please, please make sure you have that primary call to action on where they need to go to get what you have on offer. Yeah, you do have to make it really, really clear and understandable. Like I tried getting people, when you try to get people to write podcasts for reviews, for example, it's like, okay, open the app, scroll down to the pencil icon, click the pencil icon, and then you write your review. It, it You really do have to be that specific 100%. in the action that you're asking people to take. Um, okay, I would like to kind of wrap us up and yes. shift gears and ask you, Two, one fun question and then one sort of like um, 
philosophical question, okay. I guess. So my fun question is literally just what do you like to do for fun? Like what is fun and enjoyable for you? I mean, yeah, travel is probably my biggest, 100%. I've been to over 50 different countries. Travel is a very big part of what I do. There's something about getting on a plane. There's something about just driving down to a local, do you know what I mean, country town here in Australia, uh, experiencing different energy. I feel so often we're so stagnant in our energy because we're in our houses and we're like, don't want to go anywhere. Well, for me personally, right? So it's like, how can I shift that energy? So yeah, so I try and travel as much as often as I can. I've been, in the last six months, I've been to Bali twice, America twice, Dominican Republic. Uh, I head to Sydney next weekend. I head to Perth the weekend after that, Tassie the weekend after that. Like, And people I know are going to go, oh, you got money. I can't travel. You can literally travel in your car an hour away. Go and get on a bus, do you know what I mean? Spend two or three bucks on a bus fare. Take the train somewhere, for example. When I talk about travel, it doesn't have to be long extended periods of time. I'm just saying get out and explore because when you explore, there's this beautiful notion about like creativity. You see things through a different lens. You smell things differently and your brain rewires differently. So for me, travel is it and any of us can do it. And it just might look different from how I do it to how you do it. Okay. That's a fun one. Um, if you could, this, you ask on your podcast and I thought it was a great question and it's something I want to bring to my, my guests as well. Um, if you could go back and do it all over again, what would you change or do differently? Mm -hmm. I mean, I think there's two things there. One is understanding that, um, whatever you are not changing, you are choosing. So, again, instead of whinging and moaning and doing whatever, like you every day get to choose how the day goes. Ultimately, now I'm not saying if you get hit by a car, I'm not, let's not get too technical, but what I'm saying is ultimately, whatever you're not changing, you're choosing. And an example is Christmas day, I asked my husband for a divorce. Now it wasn't planned that way, do you know what I mean? But he pissed me off one final time. And I was like, I'm not going into next year, do you know what I mean, with this heaviness. I can't, I can't do it anymore. And I remember looking in the mirror and I was crying. And I was like, it was 11 o'clock. And I just pulled him aside. I was like, listen, you've got March to get out. Yes, there was hard times, but we can all do hard things. So to, for me, it's like whatever you are not changing, you are choosing. So remember that in, in, in any part of your business, but also life, because you can't do business in isolation. And the last thing that I would say is a close second is understanding the importance, in my opinion, of pay to play. You can either keep Googling and Googling and watching YouTube videos and watching YouTube videos, or in my instance, I didn't have a lot of money when I started. So I would go to free events. But then I realized really quickly that it wasn't the right people in the room. And then I was spending two to three hours driving and going to an event. So then I was like, well, all I could afford was 10 bucks. But when I paid that $10 to pay to be in that room, I, I shifted. I paid more attention. I showed up with a different type of um, confidence, I guess you could say. And the right, the more people that were that I wanted to be around were in that room. And then I would pay to go to a hundred dollar event. And now I pay, do you know what I mean? Whatever for coaches, right? But what I'm saying is when you pay, I do believe you pay attention in a way that works for you in a way that's in alignment for you. And you stand up a little bit taller, your confidence builds. And I believe the transformation occurs when the transaction takes place. And so for me, understanding pay to play. I think you feel more invested in the results that you get too. you know, like it's not just like the bare minimum of something you are actually like investing your time and energy into it. So, mm -hmm. and, mo and money. Mm -hmm. 
Um, all right. Why don't you share the best way for people to stay connected with you and your podcast and whatever else you have going on? Yeah, I always say it's kind of like an all-you-can-eat buffet. So it's kind of whatever you need and it is all alignment for you. But the best way is just go to my website, which is AngelaHenderson.com.au. And from there, you can listen to the podcast if that's what you want. You can read. You know, we've got about 150 blog articles you can read if that's how you consume. Uh, we've got a Bali trip coming up in October. So if you want to come to Bali with us, do you know what I mean? You can learn about that. Whatever, whatever you need, go to AngelaHenderson.com.au. And yes, I just love to connect in whatever way feels light and easy for you. All right. Thank you so much. And thank you for all of this. We went deeper than I expected and it was, it was fun. You know, absolutely. Thank you for having me. To learn more about She Built This and to join our community and get involved for yourself, visit www.shebuiltthis.org.